A blessed Sunday, brothers and sisters in Christ. Today, we will continue to persevere in our journey through the book of Hebrews. And hopefully, we'll also learn to persevere through the many challenges that we face in life. As I have mentioned last week, the main thrust of the book of Hebrews is perseverance. Persevering in the faith, persevering in Jesus. But we all know that perseverance is not easy. It is actually very tiring. You know what is the first word that comes to my mind whenever I hear the word perseverance? Perspiration. In Tagalog, pawis. I don't know why, but in my mind, I kind of relate these two words to each other all the time. Maybe because one is called to persevere not when life is easy and comfortable, but when life is, when life is tough and challenging. Yung tipong pinagpapawisan ka sa hirap. In the midst of sweat and tears, we are called to persevere. And during these times, we often wonder, when will this end? Until when should I persevere? Will I ever find rest from all my troubles? Kailan ba matatapos ito? As we continue to persevere in life, we long for rest. As we go through our problems, we persevere, we persevere knowing that afterwards we can rest. Rest is like the treasure at the end of the rainbow, the light at the end of the tunnel. The anticipation of rest is what keeps us going. Just like how we count the days and look forward to the weekend as we are in our offices working. Or just like how we count the minutes until the dismissal bell rings in school. We all, we all look forward to a time where we can be free from hard labor and finally rest. But in the never-ending challenges of life where we face one problem after another, is there really rest that awaits us in the end? Also, is it possible to experience rest even when one is in the midst of hardship and troubles? That is why my title for today is Rest in Times of Unrest. Is there rest in times of unrest? So now let us look at the book of Hebrews, what, Hebrew, what the book of Hebrews has to say about rest to the early believers who are suffering and are longing to find rest. Let us open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Today we'll be looking at chapter 3 and 4, but now we will be reading only from chapter 3. The whole chapter, chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 to 18. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, 
Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years, therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was He provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. May God bless the reading of his word. From the start of the passage, we again see the author of Hebrews emphasizing the superiority of Jesus, just like what he did in the first two chapters. Through this argument, he wants to teach the church during his time and also today that Jesus is the best and in Him you will find rest. Jesus is the best and in Him you will find rest. Let us continue to explore about this as we go through our passage. In the first two chapters of Hebrews, which we looked at last week, we see how the author of Hebrews compares Jesus from the angels, pointing out that Jesus is superior to angels, being the Son of God and the Son of Man Himself. But He's not yet done in proving Jesus' superiority. Now, He focuses on emphasizing the superiority of Jesus over Moses and even over Joshua who were the ones tasked by God to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land, which is the land which symbolizes God's rest. Now, you must understand, Moses was not just a nobody to the Jewish people. He's one of the most prominent names in the Old Testament, definitely in the top three of the most important figures in Jewish history. He is considered by many as one of the first prophets of God speaking on behalf of God. He even represented God before Pharaoh. He, was, he used his brother Aaron as his prophet. And not only that, Moses is also considered a priest, being one through whom God gives the law to the Israelites. And therefore, Moses is considered the mediator of the Old Covenant. And Moses was considered to be faithful to God and his house. His house here points to God's people, and in the time of Moses, they were the Israelites. 
Moses was faithful in his task of bringing people into the promised land. But Moses was also just among the Israelites. He was part of God's house. He is a member of God's house, operating merely as one of God's servant. He did not build God's house. Moses was just part of it. In verse 3, it says, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. This is the reason why Jesus is superior to Moses. Moses was simply a servant in God's house, but Jesus is the son over God's house. He represents the father who is the owner and the builder of the house. He's the one who builds the people of God. And just as Moses was faithful, Jesus is also faithful as a messenger of God and as high priest of the people. In verse 5 to 6, it says, Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Now, why is this comparison so important for the author of Hebrews to emphasize with regard to the topic of rest? Because even though Moses was faithful in serving God, he still failed in bringing the Israelites into the promised land, which, as I mentioned earlier, symbolizes the place of rest. While Jesus, on the other hand, is able to give rest to all those who trust in Him. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is superior to Moses because He is the giver and the source of rest. The best place to find rest is in Jesus. He, we can only find rest in Jesus Christ. He is the best. He is superior over angels. He is superior over Moses. The author of Hebrews emphasizes this to again discourage the first century believers from abandoning their faith in Christ and from going back to Judaism, to the Mosaic law, in order to escape the persecution and suffering they were experiencing. They're tempted to think that they can find rest from their troubles by reverting back to the, to the practices of their forefathers when God has already given them the true source of rest, which is Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of rest. You know, this is also our tendency. We tend to trust in man rather than trusting in the Son of God. When we need guidance, we seek help from experts and read self-help books. When we go to church, we look forward to listening to famous preachers and inspiring speakers. When we read our Bibles, we want to be inspired by man or woman of faith. And we sometimes forget that all of them are merely servants of God. We forget they're also fallen beings. We forget that even Moses was not able to enter the promised land. We forget that God uses these people to foreshadow and to point us to the true 
source of rest to the true hero, His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, there are so many children's Bible around, but I have one favorite among them. It is this, the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. The reason why I love it so much is because from the very beginning, it explains to kids who the Bible is all about. And, and, and it emphasizes that it's not about following these Bible characters, but Jesus alone. Let me read to you an excerpt from this book. It says, Other people think that the Bible is a book of heroes showing people you should copy. The Bible does not have some heroes in it. Uh, the Bible does have some heroes in it, but as you'll soon find out, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistake, sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away. At times, they are downright mean. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. And who is the young hero and prince that this Bible is talking about? He's the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And the whole Bible points us to Him. That is why in Luke 24, 27, Jesus said, and it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all scriptures the things concerning Himself. So, brothers and sisters, let us not put our trust in any man, but instead let us fix our eyes on the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. Remember that He is the best of us and the only one who can give us true rest. Let us remember that Jesus is the best and in Him you will find rest. Jesus is the best and in Him you will find rest rest. Now, after learning from Moses, let us now learn from the people which Moses, call, uh, which Moses was called to lead to the land of rest, the Israelites. Are the Israelites a good example for us to follow? On the contrary, they are an example of what we must avoid. How do we know this? Because among all the Israelites who escaped Egypt with Moses, only two were able to enter Canaan. The rest of them failed to enter and experience rest in the promised land. What was the reason why they weren't able to enter? It is because of their hardened hearts. And so, a hardened heart is the ultimate hindrance to finding rest. Now, I don't know if you remember, but last year we journeyed through the book of Exodus, and I preached about the ten plagues, where I pointed out that the ten plagues was meant for God to show the Israelites His power by breaking, the, by breaking Pharaoh's hardened hearts. But I also mentioned that Pharaoh was merely an object lesson of a hardened heart. He was merely an example. 
because it was the Israelites themselves who were the people with hardened hearts. They did not trust God even after they have seen what God did to Pharaoh and to Egypt. Even after they have experienced and seen with their own eyes God's power to deliver them. And now, just as God used Pharaoh as an example to the Israelites of a hardened heart, the author of Hebrews is using the Israelites as an example to the first century believers and to us of what it means to have a hardened heart. In chapter 3, verse 7 to 11, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This was quoted by the author of Hebrews from Psalm 95, hundreds of years after the Exodus and the wilderness events, reminding the Israelites once again not to harden their hearts as their forefathers did. The author of Hebrews is using this to warn his reader of what it means to harden one's own heart, but now under the new covenant. And it warns us also of its consequences. Now, what does it mean to harden your heart today? Verse 12 tells us. He says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. An, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. To turn your back from Jesus after experiences, after experiencing His grace is to harden your heart against God today. Why is it the same? Because just as the Israelites saw the power of God to deliver them from the Egyptians, and yet they did not trust God, we today have also seen the power of God through the cross. And yet, if we still fail to believe and abandon our faith, then indeed, we have hardened hearts. And what is, the consequences, uh, what is the consequence of our hardened hearts today? The same as what the Israelites faced. Just as they were not able to enter the promised land, the land of rest, and find rest because of their unbelief, we will also not enter God's rest because we fail to believe in His Son, Jesus and what causes hardened hearts today? It is the deceitfulness of our sins. Verse 13, it says, But extort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It is our sin, our sinful nature that causes us to doubt God and deceive us into abandoning our faith altogether. Indeed, it is important for us to learn from the mistakes of the past so that we can avoid them in the present. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul warns of the same wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 9 to 11, he says, we must, 
not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. You know, when people face hardships and doubts, it's so easy for them to get fixated on their problems and forget about their faith. They forget how God has been faithful to them in the past. And so, they fail to see and trust God for the future. That's why I always tell the young people that I disciple, and I've told you this before, that the key to trusting in God's faithfulness in the future is by remembering God's faithfulness in the past. The key to trusting in God's faithfulness in the future is by remembering God's faithfulness in the past. Let me give you an example. Now, many people think that Bible, uh, going to Bible college or seminary is like having a spiritual retreat or like going to church summer camp for three years. But little do they know that people's faith gets shaken and tested in seminary. I remember that this happened to me as well. My faith was really shaken during one class when I learned that just as there are many archaeological findings that proves the validity of the Bible, there are also many that disproves it. And so after that class, I was really shaken and I questioned well, whether my faith is based on truth or not. After struggling with it the whole day, God made me realize one thing. He made me remember how His Word has proven itself true in my own life. How it has given me hope through the challenges I faced in life. How it has given purpose and meaning in my life. And how knowing Jesus is the best thing that happened in my life. Our limited understanding and our limited scientific discoveries may not be enough to prove the Bible, but God's faithfulness in our lives is more than enough proof that His Word is true. And you cannot only see it in your own life, but in the life of our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. The author of Hebrews warns us of hardening our hearts against God today by falling away from our faith in Jesus. And indeed, brothers and sisters, let me warn all of you that the danger is real. That danger is possible. It's real. But when we remember how God has shown His faithfulness in our lives, then we will be able to trust in His faithfulness for the future. And not only can we see His faithfulness in our lives, but in other people's lives as well. That's why the author of Hebrews calls us to exhort one another every day to trust in Jesus, in spite of the doubts caused by the challenges of life, by the deceitfulness of sin, which causes us to be disqualified to enter God's rest. So, brothers and sisters, in the midst of this pandemic, are you finding yourself having a hardened heart? Are you finding it hard to trust in our Lord because of the hardships you're facing? If yes, then I encourage you to stop and look back. Remember what God has done in your life through the years and see how He has been faithful to you. 
How has knowing Jesus changed your life, given you hope, granted you peace, brought you healing? If lately you are finding it hard to trust in God's faithfulness in the days to come, I challenge you to spend one day to look back, write down the challenges you faced in life, and write down how God has sustained you through all of them. And you will see that God's track record, the track record of His faithfulness, is perfect. God has never dropped the ball, and He never will. As you face the many challenges in life, do not harden your heart. Instead, remember how you've you've experienced His faithfulness in your life, and you will find rest. Indeed, let me remind all of us, Jesus is the best, and in Him, you will find rest. In Him, you will find rest even in the midst of the unrest. Now that we understand where we can find rest, And what is hindering us from entering God's rest? Let us now learn what kind of rest that God gives to His people who perseveres in their faith in Him. What is the promised rest that God gives, and when can we experience it? The rest that God offers is the rest that is based on the seventh day of creation, the day where God rested from His work of creation to enjoy the goodness of His creation. The Bible calls it, a Sabbath, and it is for all of God's people to enjoy as well. You know, many of us look forward to this promised rest, but the question most Christians are concerned of is, when is this promised rest available for us to enjoy? Is it something that we should still wait for in the future in the end, or is it something that is available now? And let me tell you the good news. It is something that we will receive in full in the future, but it is also something that we can experience now. Now, what does it mean? Is it a present rest and a future rest at the same time? The good news is, yes, it is. The author of Hebrews points to a future rest that we must strive to take hold of. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us, fear, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. And then also in verse 11, he says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by some sort of disobedience. In these two verses, uh, it points us to a future rest that we are yet to take hold of and that we should look forward to. But he also tells of a rest that we already have available today. In chapter 4, verse 3, he says, For we who have believed enter that rest. You have already entered. And in verse 9, in chapter 4, it says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from His work as God did from His. So as you can see, the author of Hebrews is pointing both to a present rest we already have today and a future rest we are to look forward to. Both, both of them are available to those who continue to persevere in their faith in Jesus. 
despite the unrest of hardships and suffering in our world. We call this the already, but not yet. We already have it, but we don't have it fully. Already, but not yet. And I know it is not an easy concept to understand, but it is what it is. And I'm sure that even though we don't understand it somehow, I believe that all of us who have put our trust in Jesus have experienced it already in our lives, one way or another, whether we are aware of it or not. Now I know that we are excited to experience the future rest that God promises us. And let me tell you, it will come. It will come. That is one of God's promise. When our life here on earth comes to an end, when Jesus Christ comes back, that future rest awaits us during that time. And I'm sure it will be a glorious and joyous occasion, and we should all look forward to it. But as we look forward to the future rest, I hope that we will not miss out on the present rest that God provides. How can we experience the present rest that God provides today? Because we badly need it, especially during this time of pandemic. How can we experience the present rest that God provides today? I believe it is available to us through God's unchanging character. And Pastor Edmund Chant calls it rested, being rested, restedness. We find rest today by knowing that we have a God who is in control, a God who is good, a God who will make His will come to pass. We can rest knowing that we have a God who is in control, who is good, and who makes His will come to pass. How does these truths about God give us rest today? Because when we know that we have a God who is in control, that then we can rest assured even if things don't go our way, that He is still in control. It is going exactly God's way. And when we know that God is good, then we know that He is always working for the good of His people, even if it's hard for us to see. And when we know that He is always, that, that when we know that He will make His will come to pass, then we can rest assured that His good and perfect will, His promises in the Bible to protect us, to provide for us, to be our strength, to be there for us, to deliver us, all of these promises will happen because He always makes His will come to pass. Knowing these truths about God will allow us to experience rest in the presence of God, even if we are in the midst of hardships like COVID, in suffering, like losing our loved ones or our jobs. And how can we prove that these truths about our God are indeed true? How can we see that God is in control, that God is good, that God will always make His will come to pass? Brothers and sisters, you don't have to look far. It is in full display in the cross of Christ. 
In the cross of Christ, we see that God is in control even if things doesn't seem so. In the cross of Christ, we see that God is working for the good of His people even if it seems that evil is already prevailing. In the cross of Christ, we see that God will always make His will come to pass even at the expense of giving His own Son to death. And as we look at the cross of Christ, we also see His resurrection, where we see all of these three things once again as He gives us eternal life. Brothers and sisters, as we look forward to the future rest that God promised for us, are you missing out on the rest that God provides for, his, for the present time? Don't miss out. Look to Jesus. Hold on to the unchanging character of God that is shown through His cross. Know more about Jesus and know what He has done to you. You can do it by reading your Bibles. And you will experience rest in Him. You ECP, remember that Jesus is the best. And in Him, you will find rest. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give thanks for today. We give thanks for your great reminder to us that we don't have to look to anyone else. We only need to look at Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of rest, so that we can find rest even in the midst of unrest. Lord, I know many of us are suffering. Many are really ready to give up. But Lord, thank you for your reminder today that there's no need to give up because rest can be only be found in Jesus. And in Jesus, we are already in the right track. So help us, Lord, not to turn our back away from Him, but instead continue to walk faithfully in Him, knowing that He suffered for us so that He might provide rest, true rest that comes from Jesus. So, Lord, I pray, as we continue through the challenges of life, as we look to the future rest that You have promised to us, Help us your, to experience your rest every day, knowing that you are the God who is in control. You are the God who is good. You are the God who makes His will come to pass. And therefore, we can find rest by trusting in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.